Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101. Is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on cranberry.fm, episode number 296. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the director of SEO and social media for Advanced Local. Today, we have a special episode for you. We are interviewing Mike Blumenthal, aka Professor Maps, and uh, this week's, uh, <laughs> he's got a new uh, moniker, Chief Delegation Officer at Get Five Stars, where he is a co-founder, and also the co-founder of Local University. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for being here hey. today. Thank, thanks for having me. I just want to point out that the reason people, half the reason people call me Professor Maps is one half is because I spend so much time staring at the little red pins. But the other reason is that when I speak, some people think I am boring, sort of pedantic. So they gave me the name Professor Maps, my best friend, actually. <laughs> we'll, try to, we'll try to keep you all excited and engaged so, so you won't be boring. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you've been yeah. you've been on this show before. I think I don't think you were boring last time. I right? have, but I, no, no, no. I, I don't think I'm boring either. It's the other. <laughs> I think I'm brilliant all the time. <laughs> Although I did I did hear uh, you, you you like to work on your curmudgeonly. Uh, uh, yeah, that's one of my personas that I really personas. particularly enjoy. <laughs> because it because it, it's near and dear to my heart, right? Uh, particularly go. particularly around the holidays, is that when it comes out the most? <laughs> <laughs> no, it comes out the most when Google is both bo- uh, giving us BS about how little spam there is in their index. That's when my curmudgeonly <laughs> really comes out. It's your primary personality, then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Perhaps, perhaps. We'll have, we'll have to bring my wife in on this discussion. We don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we get along yeah, getting along well there. I have lots of lots of uh, Google rants on the show. John gets a good kick out of them. But, uh, yeah, oh, yes. They, you know, I, I get those quite often. So, you know, we, we originally connected because we wanted to talk a bit about uh, keeping customers instead of finding new ones. Uh, something that, you know, is a bit of a, a stretch in the SEO 101 realm, but I, I do like the concept because, frankly, um, you know, we're doing all this effort, making all this effort to make this show so that listeners can gain that extra exposure so they get more business from SEO and also from so organic, covering everything, organic and local, the whole bit. And, um, well, that's a lot of work. So wouldn't it be best if you could keep those clients and, and, and such? And um, you had some good points about how, you know, between Google and Facebook taking both ends of the funnel, uh, you, that, that center point, that main area of your business uh, needs to be to keep those customers so that, well, you don't have to go through that process again and make Google fatter. Right, and you don't... It's, and you don't need to go through Facebook and Google as gatekeepers to get in touch with your customers. 
I mean, it is local one-on-one in the sense that there is a, dig- a way to scale this process digitally in terms of customer complaints and customer satisfaction, customer experience. There's a way to measure those things at scale. And there's a way to leverage that information into reviews and social proof so that you do do better at SEO 101, but you also do better running a great business, which in the end, getting re- that's what getting reviews is all about, is you, get, you earn reviews, you don't get them. So I do see it as an integral part of the mm-hmm. SEO process. I just see the SEO process as going beyond sort of the point of sale, right? I see it as two funnels, one coming down to the point of sale, and then after the point of sale, all of the relationship building, keeping a customer's in, you know, infinitely more profitable than finding one. And long-term customers are seven times more uh, profitable than a new customer. So there's a million reasons why if you've put all that work into getting new customers, you really need to be examining all the processes you do and how to scale them to improve, measure and improve customer experience. And I think there's two actual directions we can look at this from. One is the idea that a lot of our listeners are business people. They have their own shops or they work for someone and they're they're trying to create their own customers. Then there's the other angle of the work that we do to help other businesses is um, benefited by them keeping their customers and, and leveraging those online reviews and that 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 segment out there tied to customer satisfaction. So there's actually two different directions. This really touches our audience that we should make sure we cover. Yeah, yeah, no, great. And and you know, I'm not sure, Mike. You sent it along a while ago, but uh, has that uh, ebook on complaint management come out? I finished it, but we're just waiting to publish it. It should be out in the next week or 10 days. But if somebody wants a copy of the book, they can email me, Mike at Get Five Stars, and I will personally send them a copy. And then it should be available at GetFiveStars.com, you know, within the next couple of weeks. Okay. I've made it my personal goal to be the first one to complain about your complaint management book just because. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Get me your email. I'll send you... I'll send you a survey, John. There, okay, good. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, for the listeners, uh, the reason I brought it up, I just wanted to be sure it was, you know, coming available soon. It was, it's, it's well written. It, it really gets into some of the uh, the nitty gritties of, of, well, frankly, why you should make complaint, re, re, not necessarily complaints, but requesting reviews, keeping an open uh, dialogue with your existing customers so they can complain and reward them for it. Uh, I thought it was, uh, right. it was it's good points. Just a basic idea about complaints. Right? I have a, I had this experience with Delta a couple of months back where I had to do a, a, you know, a, a go to a funeral of a close friend's mother. Last minute, they charged me a crazy amount of money for a 40-minute flight. And the flight went totally sideways on me, and it was miserable. And, uh, and they sent me a survey. I don't know, 27 questions, all of which were numbered with not one place to give them feedback. So then I went to their website and I wanted to give them feedback about how terrible this experience was. And I couldn't find their complaint button on their website. I had to tweet their customer service people and ask them where the complaint form was on their website. From where I sit, a complaint form, you know, the feedback, give us feedback link should be as obvious on every website as the phone number is. Because wouldn't you rather, as a business, hear the complaint directly from the customer rather than hear it from Yelp, who got it from the customer? I mean, to me, you want compl- the process of 
bringing complaints in and keeping them close to you should be as efficient as any process in your business, right? And the place to start is by putting, making it really obvious on your website how people are getting in touch with you uh, to give you feedback. Yeah, and I, it's a it's a great way too uh, to nip any complaints in the butt before it goes on local SEO. Uh, I would think. Right. Ex- ex- exactly. I mean, uh, my research indicates that seventy five percent of the people, seventy four percent, if you resolve a complaint that people have, seventy four percent will continue to do business with you. That's a huge ROI, right? And if wow. it's as simple as putting a button on your website so people can get in touch with you. Rather than leaving a negative review, why wouldn't you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. It does. Yeah. I, mean, and- I think you should be more proactive than that. I, mean, I think you should ask every customer how you did. Because in today's review world, the companies that are winning the, 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 the presence of mind in that space are the ones who exceed customer ex- expectations. Now, that may sound hard, but in every business, it's different, right? I mean, with a plumber, you want the guy to show up on time. You want him not to track dirt through your living room. You want him to clean up after himself and, you know, be done when he says he's going to be done and bill you what he says he's going to be doing. Then that would exceed your expectations. You'd give him a five-star review for that and feedback and review if he asked you, right? I mean, so you really just need to look at your customer pain points, use the complaint process to understand them, and fix them. Mm-hmm. And then exceed their expectations, right? True. And they can all be done in a semi-automated, scaled, digital way using email address or SMS. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. in, in the SEO world, I find that, uh, you know, speaking from, from, as, from the perspective of an owner, I've been running this for 20 years and, and I've certainly had my ups and downs and, you know, everyone gets the, the odd complaint. But the fact is, we tr- the way I've worked around it is as to obviously keep it open. Uh, you know, they can always call, they can always email, they can, we're always asking, but we're also trying to go above and beyond by not necessarily just the results. I mean, the results, you're always going to be held to those. And, you know, sometimes you just can't get them. But I've had clients stay with me no matter what because the staff are constantly supportive, constantly helping, constantly. We, we try and be their marketing department. We try and be a part of their business instead of just a, a vendor and, oh, sorry, we've got the result. Uh, better move on. Um, so many businesses well, do that. So, so Mike, real, real quick, tied, tied to that, um, if you put that feedback button on the homepage and you hold that process really tight to the vest like you're talking about, that works great for managing complaints. But that doesn't that also restrict the great comments you get, the positive feedback you get? Um, so so it's, it's also tight to the vest, which limits the exposure to it? Um, so my feeling has been that if you proactively ask, beyond just leaving it on the to me, putting it on the website is sort of passive. You're waiting for the unhappy customer to come by. Mm-hmm. I think you should ask every customer proactively. One, as soon as you're done with the sale, you say to them, you know, we're expected to get feedback and ask for review. Every time we do business, would you be willing? Yes. Great. We're going to send you an email or text you to get the permission. And with that proactive approach, what we find is, uh, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30% of customers will give you positive, you know, give you feedback. And if your business deserves it, it'll be positive feedback. And again, the way we built our product was so that we could just move that feedback automatically out to the website, segment it by product or service. So it goes on the appropriate page of the website, thus adding content to the website. 
as well as social proof. So there's a lot of leverage that can be gained from using that content effectively and reusing it effectively in an automated way. What better SEO content than your customers speaking about what a great job you did? Are, are the are the engines using sentiment yet as a as a as a factor in in local search? Are they planning on it if they're not? Well, Google. If you do a search at Google and you ask for best uh, plumber in Chicago, you will see plumbers that are rated more highly, typically four and above. Um, it doesn't appear that they're using sentiment broadly. They, Google does use it in the review snippets, you know, that section in the knowledge panel. When you do uh-huh. a brand search about a business that shows below the basic NAP information, they apparently use some sort of analysis there to extract typical comments. So they seem to know that these comments typify the experience, but it's not, uh, I don't think it's in broad use as a ranking factor, but I do believe that original, ongoing, fresh, user-generated content on your product or service page or your testimonial page certainly helps. And then having it marked up in, in schema on your site helps your page stand out visually in the search results as well. Sure. Okay. Well, um, let's uh, take a quick break. and we come back, we've got uh, a few more points perhaps on this, this topic. And then we've got uh, some other local news from Mike this week we can discuss. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers. And engage with us anytime by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. So you can reach us before and after every program located on our new social shareable live streaming player. Access the new Cranberry Radio live stream player at our website, cranberry.fm. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital. Okay, class, 
Take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Welcome back to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Okay, so uh, we were just uh, talking about some of the, the issues around you know keeping your existing clients instead of always finding new ones. Uh, I'm curious, Mike, I know you see a lot of different uh, uh, clients and uh, probably lots of great questions as well. Have you seen any particularly brilliant, uh, <laughs> lack of words here, but not tricks, but you know techniques for doing this? Tactics. Tactics, thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's a better way. <laughs> yeah, we're always looking for the trick in SEO, aren't we? That's yeah. the, SEO, <laughs> the SEO motto. If there's a trick, we'll try it. Right? <laughs> um, so uh, the inventive. There are several things. I mean, clearly, process is important. I think that asking should be baked in as a process, right? So if you're not getting email addresses, you have to figure out how you're going to do that it needs to be baked into the process. So for example, incenting your salespeople and your cash register people to get email addresses at the close of the sale, or and if you have a younger demographic SMS number, so you can't incent people to leave you reviews or feedback. That's contrary to federal trade uh, commission guidelines, but you can incent people to, give you an email address. I think that's entirely appropriate or an SMS. So once so you what, have that, then. So Mike, oh, real quick, ahead. just, just to help our listeners, when you talk about, you can't incent someone to leave a review, can you go into that a little bit, a little more detail to help them understand what you're talking about? Sure. Um, the FCC has a rule that says that if, if you get endorsements from people, then the, the endorsements, one, have to reflect the general uh, feeling of your customer base, or if they are paid, they have to be stated that they're paid endorsements. So you can incent for feed for endorsement. You could give somebody a gift, but they would be required upon endorsing you to so state that. So if you are giving uh, incentives and not showing it, then you're in violation of the rules. Uh, and you are susceptible to being fined by the FTC, as we saw in a case in California a couple months ago, where an auto dealer was fined for a number of practices, but one of them was fake reviews. Um, also, Google, Yelp, Facebook, everybody has a terms of service that specifically precludes incentives one, because they're against the law, and two, because they skew the review content um, disproportionately. But the, so, so there's two really good reasons to not use incentives. One, it's against the law. It's a probably big, good reason. The second being, it's against terms of service. But the really big reason to not incent reviews, and I've seen this happen, is if, you're, if some customer discovers you've incented previous reviews and they have a bad experience with you, then they will blame you and your incented reviews for their bad experience, calling into question every review you've ever gotten with that comment. And I've seen this happen. Dr. I wrote a post about it, but it, I mean, what could be worse than a permanent review at Google or Yelp? We know Yelp always elevates the negative ones that says you pay for all your reviews, right? 
I mean, makes all of your reviews untrustworthy. So I think there's three really strong reasons to not incent the law, the rules that the guys have, but more importantly, the fact that you could have a customer um, expose the practice and it could be a very, very long-term damage. And when we talk about incentive reviews, we're not talking about asking someone specifically for a positive review. We're asking for any type of review. So so you can't even go to a customer and say, hey, here's a 10% off coupon on your next order if you leave us a review, not specifying whether it should be positive or negative. Just leave us a review and you get this coupon. That's something you should stay away from as much as possible. And even, you know, raffles at the end of a month, right? Um, leave us a review, good, bad, or indifferent, end of the month, we'll enter you in the raffle. Any of those are considered incentives. Any of those can trigger fines. Now, whether you get a fine or not depends a lot on where you live. For example, in New York State, it's much more likely to get a fine than it is, say, in Texas, right, where nothing much is regulated except for women's reproductive health. And um, (laughs) so in New York State, there was a case where Somebody did exactly what you said. Here's a $5 coupon for the next time you come visit, whether the review is good or bad. He got a $10,000 fine for the state attorney general. And the reality for him was that he couldn't, it was cheaper for him to pay the $10,000 and get shamed publicly than it was to fight it. So who wow. needs that aggravation? Right. So how do, like, if, if let's say a, a dentist knows that a, a, a one of their competing dentists is using some sort of incentive to get reviews, you can't, how do you prove that? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I worry a lot more about my business than the other guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, if you have proof of it, I, I've seen in the Google, my business forums where competing businesses have, uh, shared scans of images of the incentives and Google mm-hmm. then took the reviews down once it was reported. So, you know, Google and Yelp both. And if Yelp, you know, finds out you're doing it, they'll put that big red badge of shame on your account for at least 90 days that accuses you of having solicited uh, improperly solicited reviews. Mm. You know, they'll put yeah. a badge on your account. That's, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a good idea I mean, it's, uh, to be able to do this. And in some circumstances, uh, I, I, like I've got another firm that does dental marketing and we deal with this where these other competitors have an unfair advantage because they are breaking the rules, but it's frustrating. We don't know really how to (laughs) report it. Um, but you know, the only way we're going to get anywhere is to to level the playing field. Right. Yeah. Well, the only way you're going to get anywhere is by keeping your nose to the grindstone working hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And over time, this will wash out. So you have to keep asking in an honest way. And as you accumulate information, I would do two things with it, depending on it. One is I would report it on the appropriate review site, in the case of Google, it's in my business forums. Or if you need to reach out to a top contributor, Mike at Blumenthal.com and send me the stuff privately and I will report it to Google. And I would, you know, if it is serious enough and egregious enough, I would report it to the state attorney general. Hmm. I mean, I, I see, you know, the, the reality is that we live in a world in which it's easy to cheat and it's hard to get caught, but, and I know it feels like everybody's cheating and therefore you have to, but my sense is that the businesses who, who really do exceed customer expectations 
regardless of their field. If they exceed customer expectations, they will get their fair share. Now, obviously, dentistry is a hard one. And you have Mm -hmm. to understand that the yield in that situation is, is small because, you know, who wants to proclaim on a public forum that I had a toothache? fixed or a, or a root canal taken care of, right? This is not an uh, easy topic to write a review around. And I think people are to some extent embarrassed. That means your yield is going to be less. It means if you send out a hundred instead of like Barbara Oliver, who gets maybe 20 reviews per hundred asks, you're going to get one review per hundred asks, or maybe half a review per hundred asks. But if that's the natural rate of review in that industry, because it's a hard review industry, um, then, you know, that's just the reality of it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't ask. And for every 100 customers, you get a review. That means, you know, every two or two months or so, you're getting a review of Google. That's plenty. You know? I have to ask. This is a long-term, it's a long-term game, right? I mean, from my point of view, it's a five-year game. It's not a three-month or six-month game. Yeah, so I have to ask, is, is Barbara Oliver your, one of your main clients? I, I hear about her all the time. Well, she is my pet client. She has agreed to let me do anything I want with her account. So I experiment with her. Uh, Google has, unfortunately, uh, because, because I'm a top contributor, Google often gives her things to test. Um, and she has been receptive to my ideas. And I, my idea, and she, she really is a great client to work with because she really does understand the idea of exceeding expectations. When a, she was tried to break, in, break into the engagement ring business, and to do so, she targeted millennials. And so she came to me in this 2009. We started working on her SEO. And she understood something about millennials that even I didn't understand. When she gets a young guy in her third story jewelry store, no street front presence, no signage, they have to make a special effort to find her. When she gets somebody in her jewelry store. She sits him down, a young 25-year-old, just thinking about getting engaged ring. First thing she does, she cracks a beer and hands it to him. It's like, how cool is that? Nice. Right? I mean, she works really hard at making the, at the people that come into her business feel comfortable. She, has a, she educates all day long. She spends as much time as they need to understand the different grades, what soon she can cut them and off the shelf. And then she never asks to even ask for the sale. She just lets them digest that at whatever rate they need to. And if you go read her reviews, you know, they're spectacular. And she, she, you know, uh, just because she understands she needs to exceed expectations. And she does regularly. So So she's a pet client just that she actually, she doesn't pay me really. I, you work with her just because I enjoy working with somebody who's so excellent and I need test cases and she's good for that. Nice. So, so, so you talked about how this is a long-term game, and you, and Ross put a link in here. You had a recent post about people are leaving, more consumers are leaving reviews year over year. Uh, what about the idea of an individual consumer leaving multiple reviews over time? How does that play out? Um, whether they're all good, if there's a mixture of good and bad, um, what's how does it play out when you have one person that you're soliciting more than once, not not incentivizing, but soliciting, say, hey, do you want to leave us a review? Um, the same guy or the same girl over and over again over a period of years. Well, I look at uh, feedback in the context of quality control and customer satisfaction. So there's every reason to, if a business wants to know how well they're doing, if they 
to periodically re-ask the customer how they're doing and to leverage that feedback. So, for example, in Get Five Stars, we allow the business to set a time frame to say once a quarter, don't ask more frequently than once a quarter, even if they do business with us more than once a quarter, or don't ask more frequently than twice a year. I think it's dependent upon the industry. For example, in insurance, you'd only want to ask once a year. But perhaps if you're doing, for example, um, braces for a child, you'd want to ask the parent almost every month how they're doing. And look at that quality of response over time. If that customer then decides to go out and leave your review on top of it, fine, but at least you're getting the feedback. So I, um, I, I see the feedback and the information you can garner from asking as really some of the most important um, information. And then hopefully if they like you, then you ask them to leave you a review. Great. If they do, it's, it's great too, right? It's their choice. We're not poor, you know, you're not forcing anybody to do anything. So, so, so we know these reviews have an impact on organic search and local search. How does Google see a review from the same person multiple times or any engine for that matter? Is it, is it, do they just pick one? I'm, 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 I'm a little lost to understand how they manage that. I don't, I don't know if, if we even know. Well, if you're, if you're asking about a Google review at Google, Google doesn't let a person leave multiple reviews under the same login. They allow you to update it, right? right. So they would show it as updated. In terms of how does Google view uh, feedback that comes in to get five stars when we post out to the site, I don't think that Google is really looking to see that uh, Dan Smith bought an engagement ring from Barbara Oliver in August of last year and bought earrings from her this year. I don't think that Google really looks at it, that level of, of individual detail. I just see that there's another review and another rich snippet and they count it towards the total. So I, so at Google, Google does you know limit, but in terms of the business sharing that information on the website, we don't see any, any sense that Google cares one way or the other. Um, you know, we see a lot of research that indicates that consumers expect a certain amount of recency to the review content, that they don't, the older the reviews, the less they trust them. So there's a lot of motivation for business to keep asking to keep their review content on their website up to date. Okay. Uh, well, let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back. I've got a few more points here to, uh, uh, quite a few more questions, actually, but uh, we'll see what we can get through. <laughs> we'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. How much are your best ideas worth? PriorThings.com gives you an added layer of protection for all of your intellectual property, ideas, and creative things. New business idea, pitch deck, PowerPoint presentation, song lyrics, source code, killer blog posts, we help you protect it all. How do we do it? We use the same technology platform that secures transactions for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Learn more at PriorThings.com. Check out exclusive listener pricing for Cranberry Radio listeners by going to bit.ly slash Circle. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. 
continental U.S. only. See website for subscription offer details. Calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's new partner plan. It's so much easier when you do it together. You'll both get new premium meals with up to 30 grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. New skillet selections that go from pan to plate in minutes. And new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant meals portioned at half the calories. Powered by the science of ProSync to help keep your blood sugar steady and you losing weight. Motivate each other, keep each other accountable, and reach your goals with Nutrisystem's partner plan. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash diet right now and get 50% off. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash diet right now and get 50% off everything. Don't wait. This special offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash diet right now and get 50% off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash diet. Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free, and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. Reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Welcome back to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Today, we're joined by Mike Blumenthal uh, from Get Five Stars and Local U, uh, one of the uh, foremost, I would say, uh, I know you probably... Among others, hate the word expert. Uh, foremost, uh, uh, don't go guru. Don't go minds. Minds. There you go. <laughs> In local. <laughs> um, okay. I'll, I'll take mind, although I think of myself more as at this point of as a professor emeritus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. All right. So um, one thing I, I really I thought was great. You guys, you and Mary were talking about a brilliant local content idea. Uh, it was called the best way to reheat pizza. And uh, I thought it was a great one to pick up on because, uh, frankly, I'm sure you, this is the reason why you brought it up in our local world here uh, doing local SEO. It is one of the hardest things is to find interesting ideas for clients to write or create or do anything that might take off. And, and it's a big part of my my job. And this is a great idea. So can you tell us a little bit about what this is, a, what, what happened? 
Sure. So there was there's a pizza parlor in Brooklyn, apparently well known in Brooklyn. I didn't know it was called Robert's Pizza, and they created this hand drawn instruction sheet about rewarming pizza using a, a pan rather than a microwave, where it always ends up sunny. Using a pan, and you know they basically leveraged their very specific knowledge into an honest and straightforward answer in a way that received widespread industry recognition. And I think that there is a way to extract, I think every business, every local business that I run into is a wealth of knowledge. They don't always realize it and they aren't always good at writing. So what I suggest to agencies when I meet with them is take a GoPro, put it up in front of the, take it into the business or do it over Skype and ask that business a question or two or three or four or five. And what you will find is brilliant answers. They just really know if you ask a plumber, if you ask somebody in the construction industry, if you ask a dentist, they're more than willing to talk about what they do and they're very comfortable talking about it. So videotape these four or five questions You'll have some video content. You can easily break them up into segments, put them into iMovie, put a beginning and end on them, and post them on the website, post them on YouTube. You can also send them off to SpeechPad and get them transcribed so you have evergreen content out of it. If they're good enough, you can turn them into a you know, monthly newsletter with links using something like David Mims Tiding, where you just turn them into a blog post. So I, I see one way to get over this is to create an environment in which that business owner feels comfortable divulging some of the many pieces of knowledge and facts that he has at his fingertips and finding the mode to do that. And I think video is that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's easily one of the most difficult parts of my job is convincing clients that they can write, that they can create content and that it's not as hard as they think it is. And we actually create authority building plans to try and outline how that is done and make it really simple by literally laying it out based on what we've seen work. Uh, we even give, provide links to what has worked that are similar to what we're recommending. We're doing everything, but it's still hard. So oh, this is great right. tip. Which is why I think that you would be really good at just calling them asking them a few questions, recording that content, and then sending it off to SpeechPad to get transcribed, and then having them edit it to turn it into a blog post. Nice. You could spend a half hour with them every six months and end up with you know, six blog posts out of it. I, I was speaking at a conference on a panel one time. I don't know whether it was SMX. It might even have been local you, Mike, where we were in the question and answer session and someone stood up and said, I, I can never think of anything to write about my business. And I, was, I wish I could remember who said this on the panel because I would fully give them credit because I use it all the time. They, the answer was sweet, short and sweet. It said, if, if you can't think of something new to write or talk about your business every single day, you're in the wrong business. And I love that answer. That's <laughs> yeah, a good answer. But yeah. you do have to give them prompts, right? And that's my that's my suggestion is to prompt them in a way that they feel comfortable with. And a plumber is going to feel different about that than a lawyer. And so you need to find the prompt that motivates that particular customer to answer the question and to give you those details. So, I, you know, I see what John's Pizza did. Uh, it's just totally consistent with what they do 
and or Robert's Pizza, I'm sorry, in Brooklyn, totally consistent with what they do is they, they're an expert in pizza. They probably have all kinds of other ideas, like what's the appropriate amount of oil in a flour mix to get a crispy crust? Right. There's a problem I've been struggling with for years. I can't get my crust right. I'm sure that they know the answer to that question. <laughs> well, well, the other thing I liked about what you, you what the reason you brought it up too is that you know it, it just goes to show you don't have to write. You can be an artist, you know, and that's huge. I mean, these are things that people just don't think about. It doesn't have to be something you write. This has gone viral, and it's because it's so well done. It's so simple. It's it's obviously their expertise, and it helps. Uh, a common issue. Um, I, I've got plumbers I work with. There's a gold mine of content there, but sometimes even they're stumped. But you just have to, they're right. too close to it, I think. Here's a good one for a plumber. Do a, <laughs> do a, a post about how to take how to change out the handle on your toilet. I struggled <laughs> taking off the handle on my toilet. I finally I called the plumber. I gave up. I called the plumber. He said, oh, by the way, did you know that it's a reverse thread? I said, I had no clue it was a reverse thread. So I've been tightening it all that time. <laughs> and once I learned it was a reverse thread, I loosened it, got it up, and changed it. So there are many little tips and tricks these folks do and know. And as, you just have to, as an SEO, I think, the and as a marketer for one of these people, the trick is just figuring out how to get that expressed in a form they're comfortable with and in a way that's shareable. Yeah, to your point, Ross, I think a lot of people, when you talk about content, they immediately default to text, right? Yeah. Everything online is content. And if you're more comfortable doing video, images, audio, like a post, anything like that, it's still content and and it's valuable. And it's what valuable to your customers, valuable to your, to your market. Now, actually, One final I note on Robert's Pizza, that link that I included in the Local You Weekly Newsletter that yeah. link got clicked more than any other link in the newsletter. Because <laughs> <laughs> people great. wanted to know how to warm up a pizza. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, I've, I've got a bit of an obsession around trying to get the most out of everything I do. If I'm going to do marketing, <laughs> I'm going to milk it. And I, I noticed that uh, you guys have, have, have gone that route uh, finally as well with uh, your your local you updates. Um, but is I used to do, actually, you can remind me or, or tell me, Mike, does, do they still have Hangouts on air? Does that still work? I haven't used it in ages. I, uh, we, I stopped doing it because Google kept changing the, the yeah. technical context, and I got so frustrated I just had to give it up because I couldn't uh, keep it straight. Yeah. So well, um, it just well, was too complicated, right? I mean, it has to be simple to do. So we'd use Skype. we then take that Skype. Every Monday, we record 30 minutes of content. 15 minutes gets converted into a weekly newsletter and a video with links and a blog post and a podcast. And another 15 minutes gets transcribed so that there's evergreen content that Google can see and gets posted once a week in a little deeper sort of dive into some aspect. And so for 30 minutes of our time, we get yes. two podcasts, two videos, two blog posts, and an email newsletter. Uh, every week for 30 minutes. That's so, wonderful. It's, it's, yeah. I, what I loved about Hangouts on Air was that it was posted to YouTube fairly quickly thereafter. Then yeah. I could take, right. I could use a, a tool to download the audio, which is what I did for your video before you hit the podcast. And then I would use that as my podcast after a bit of editing. And then I would then also convert it into text. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and a lot of people do all this work, but they forget to do the other, you know, they do the video and whatever, but they don't milk all the other aspects of it. And you can. Right. There's absolutely nothing, nothing right. wrong with it. 
And no, we see now, we've gone to almost, it's when you add up all of our impressions, page views, and uh, interactions, we're getting between those two posts, you know, three, 3,500 uniques a month, one form or another, email or blog post or listen Excellent. or watch. And we are reposting them at YouTube. And we're, you know, so yeah, we, we decided to just go everywhere with it and just figure out the most efficient process to distribute it everywhere. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, you know, I mean, we've only been doing it completely for a couple of months and we're getting, like I mm-hmm. said, 3000 uniques a mm-hmm. month out of, out of the content. So yes, I'll let you go, John. I've got a question still, but go ahead, John. So no, I was going to say, Ross, you started that by talking about the Google Hangouts, and you have a question in here from Mike that I'm really interested in his perspective on is Google Google Plus, since that was tied really closely to Hangouts yeah. at first. Um, I know we have a really strong Google Plus community around SEO 101 podcast. It's really a great community. But what about the rest of it? Is it worthwhile? Are you posting to it? Um, are you seeing any value from it whatsoever at all anymore? You were doing quite a bit. You used to say it was something that helped you. Are you still doing that? So I did a case study with Ben Fisher Steady Demand last, late last year, and I spoke about it at Moz Local in February. And they actually, the the slide deck for it is on my site, and the video is at bloomingthoughts.com forward slash blog, and the video is at Moz uh, Local, publicly available. Um, it was a, you know, whatever, 30-minute presentation on this case study. What I found in working with uh, somebody who was a, uh, understood Google Plus and understood local, we were able to achieve significant um, in rank, local rank gains by achieving authority on Google Plus. Now, and you can't, the interesting thing is that in the new world of collections, and communities, you can't really do that by buying followers. You have to have, if you though can create compelling content at Google Plus and you can get that content shared, commented on, plus on a regular basis and that content is semantically aligned with the collection you've created and semantically aligned with your website, a lot of ifs there, but if you can, if you can do that, we saw and documented significant uh, website rank increases, significant duration increases on the website, and conversion increases. So the answer is in local, yes, Google Plus still works <laughs> or works. It's just not. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not low hanging fruit, is what you're saying. It's not low-hanging fruit, although in some businesses it's the right-hanging fruit because it's a content-driven strategy and a visual content-driven strategy at that. So for Barbara Oliver, who's been very successful in Google Plus, we've expanded her, uh, fo- you know, her followers from when I start first started like 100. She's now up close to 2,000, and she gets very active engagement. So she is seeing both website visit uplift as well as local uplift. And it fits her strategy perfectly because she's been very active on Facebook. She does great photography of her custom jewelry. So if there really is a market on Google Plus for that kind of niche information. And so in the right kind of customer, the right kind of local business, 
it can work. It does work. And you can see my research on it at my blog and uh, at Moz. And, and you mentioned and you mentioned specifically I mean, hey, that there's a lot of ifs, right? Me, go ahead. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of ifs at Facebook too. If you go post at Facebook, Facebook <laughs> keeps burying the organic reach of a post every month. Last month it was six percent. The month this month it's three percent. Next month it's one and a half percent. The month after that three quarters of a percent. There's a lot of sensor butts at Facebook as well with a social policy, social strategy of posting, right? Yeah. I mean. You need to know the lay of the land and you need to understand why you're doing it and what you're doing. Um, and if you do, you can be successful. Likewise, at Facebook, you know, you're not going to get a lot of organic reach for posts. You're going to be forced to pay for it. At least Google Plus is still free. Yeah, and I was going to say, and one, one of the ifs, one of the ifs that I don't think you mentioned was the users of Google Plus have to fit your mar- your your niche of your business. Um, jewelry, photography is a big niche, period. On Google Plus, technology is a big niche. But if you were doing, re- if you had a recipe site, um, maybe if you had great photos of the food, that might help. But if you're just trying to publish recipes or or something that's not really visual, that might not do as well on Google Plus because the audience has to be there for your niche as well. Right. But what I what we found, which was interesting, is doesn't that you'll get the local bump in ranking um, as long as you have engaged followers, no matter where they are in the world. Right. So as long as you can find people that are interested in the topics you're writing about. And, you know, using the standard social playbook of following people to get their attention and commenting on their stuff so they comment on yours. And then what's important at Google Plus is understanding which of those users are really engaging with you and then, you know, embracing them and encouraging them. But, um, you know, social is, is not, there's nothing easy about online marketing, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what you're looking at, whether it's link building or, being social on Facebook or AdWords is complicated these days. Local is complicated. What isn't complicated? Yeah. So, so for hey, go hey, ahead, I, Ross. I'll I, I, I back my question. Uh, yeah, so I'm sorry. I have to rewind slightly. But you were mentioning uh, all that stuff you did with your um, video, uh, getting it converted to text, getting uh, you know whatever podcast, all that stuff. Are you doing that yourself? Imagine there are a few owners out there going, oh, there's no way I could do all that. I don't even know how. Are you, are you using uh, someone to help you with that? Is there, have you, have you yeah. got someone? So I, my brother is, uh, so I ch- showed him how to do all that work, which he does in an hour and a half a week. Um, so, uh, and now that it's automated, now that he knows all the steps, he, he gets all that done in an hour and a half a week. So yeah, I Great. did hire somebody to help me. I pay my brother a big, you know, $30 an hour. Don't tell him I'm underpaying him. Um, <laughs> but so for $45 a week, we are generating massive amount of high yeah. quality content. So yes, I'm right, glad I mentioned that because somebody. I think that's that's a big point for a lot of listeners because they, they get overwhelmed at the whole thought of doing that. But really, it can be done achieved, this, achieved quite well, too. Affordably, I mean. Yes, but that hour and a half that he's taken that I could have taken, if, if, there were, if I were a small business, I would have distributed that content over the course of six months instead of over the course of a week, right? So I would have taken that same hour and a half of investment, generated six pieces of content, released one a month onto my local site. And so that that half hour videotaping and a one and a half hour post-processing could be leveraged in a different way or should be leveraged in a different way, let me say that. 
So, so I want to fast forward back up to the social bump that you were talking about in local. Ross is living okay. in the past past twenty minutes instead Sorry, of sorry, but I was, I, was, I was too nice. I shouldn't have let you no, go. Anyway, go ahead. So back back to the social bump. So we've had John Mueller on the, you know, and I've, we've asked him directly. They say they're not using social signals. Is that social bump? No, causation? that's not what they say. What they say. What they say. And I address this. They say that they do not use. When you go back and you look at the quotes carefully. They say they do not use Facebook or Twitter. That's what they say. And when they say why, they say because they don't have a reliable feed, because they don't know who the poster is, and they don't have trust. They don't know who the business is with trust, right? In other words, they don't have complete sense of who the business is. Now, that's not a problem on Google+, Plus because they verify. They so, know so who the poster is on Google+, Plus and they have a reliable feed. So all of the conditions for which they don't, why they don't use Facebook and Twitter are conditions why they can use Google+. So when they say, and in fact, that quote came out on the day I started my experiment that we don't use social. But when you dig into all those videos and you read all the, read everything they say, they don't say they don't use plus. They say they don't use Facebook and Twitter. I'll have to go back and listen to our show because I know we asked him that specific question and I'll have to listen to see if John specified that or not. Um, but, but but I'm asking you, so if all a company's doing is Facebook and Twitter, they're probably not going to get that social bump. They have to expand to those other networks, specifically Google Plus, um, to get that that that, cor- that correlation instead of the causation or whatever. No, causation instead of correlation, right? So... Yeah, the, the, the local algorithm is very interesting because in the end, what they are doing is, I used to think they were ranking the homepage of your website. I don't think that anymore. They are ranking the entity in their database, right? Mm-hmm. And how do they rank that entity in the database? They look for authority of, uh, of that entity reflected in different contexts. So, for example, they, look, they do look at your website and the authority of the website, and that authority of the website based on prominence, links, mentions, whatever, uh, links to it, gives additional authority to the entity. They look, I've done some interesting tests around Yelp, and I've seen that if your page at Yelp can rank for a search term, that authority then transfers to the entity and helps the entity rank. And the Mm -hmm. same with health grades and the same with Google plus. So if they can uh, figure out who, what the entity is being referred to is, and they have some confidence in the data and they can assess authority in that context, then that authority assigns to the entity in their database. Reviews okay. is another aspect to that. Right. So I just do what so I do. All say. authority signals. I do want to say we have a professor on the show, so we're probably a little beyond 101 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, speaking to you. That's I'm sure we're beyond I know, I know. 101 at this point anyways. Hey, we've got some <laughs> 301 listeners. I know we do, so they're going to be just loving it. No, we, we don't have any 301s. We don't redirect our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. As long Fair as enough. we don't 404 them. There you go. But but I I will say, Mike, you're a wealth of knowledge, and I I want our listeners to go to your site. I think they should definitely go to Blumenthal's.com. You have so much great information on there. If you're getting overwhelmed by this conversation because we're getting a little deeper than we normally do, 
go to Mike's site. It's still going to be deep, but he does a really good job of explaining all this stuff. We, we can't help it. We get so all excited me, too to talk to someone in yeah, <laughs> Mike's right. experience. Like I said before, though, I have certain I have different personas, and I write that way. Locally, Get Five Stars is primarily around reputation and customer experience, so I write at that blog, Get Five Stars dot com forward slash blog at local you i talk more broadly about industry issues about understanding conceptually what's happening in local um that's uh local you.org forward slash blog and at blumenthal's forward slash blog i talk about whatever's tickling my fancy that day whatever high horse i feel like getting on so i write for myself at that blog right so i, I have um, to ask though why isn't there a blog link on that site on bloomingdolls.com. Because I don't care whether people find it or not. Oh. I never have. <laughs> I just wonder, there isn't a the contact. Some people, they're like, can't find it. Ross, he just said he was writing for himself. He knows where it's at. <laughs> the, I've never put a contact form on the site either, Ross. It's like I don't never did it to generate business. I mean, I've been fortunate and blessed that I have been able to make a living in local. And I've had more fun. You know, I'm now... I just turned 66, right? I'm on my fifth, sort of fourth digital career in total. Retail business and had to close it down in 2001 due to pressure from Amazon and Walmart. Been in business 50 years, and I was the one who got stuck with closing it down, family business, right? But subsequent to that, I've been very lucky and very fortunate to have four or five careers in local. And so, But I've never felt the need to... Um, solicit business. I've never wanted to, right? I felt like it would distort what I was interested in. And like I said, I, in Bloomingdale's, I write to myself. I write what I, I write because I started the blog because I wanted to learn. And the only way I could learn was to ask the questions and sort of write it down to organize my knowledge. Now, and that's, that's how I learn. And so I learn by sharing and people sharing with me and a lot of my blog people sending me interesting things they've seen or questions they have, whatever. So I, that learning goes on. And that's what, that's why I get up every day, literally why I get up every day and why I have a t-shirt that says I am here and has a big red pin on it. <laughs> nice. So, All so right. what, I know you want to close the show. I know we're getting running along Ross, but I have one question I want to make sure I get to ask Mike. Sure. What are you thinking if 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 you're focusing on the future of this industry specific to local search, maybe SEO as a, SEO as a whole? What is on your mind as far as you know where things are going, what's changing, what's going to be happening that that we need to be ready for? So let me preface this by saying I once worked as a mountaineering guide out west, and the guy who ran the company, his name was Paul Petzl. He said, "Only fools and Easterners predict the weather." <laughs> um, but being an Easterner, I'll take the bait. Um, or maybe I'm a fool. Maybe I'm both. Uh, I'm not sure. So I'm both. Here's here's the big change. I mean, so so there's two sides to the to to two funnels these days, right? There's the traditional sales funnel coming down to the sale where Google's attempting to dominate, and then there's the post sale funnel where Facebook is attempting to dominate, and then there's the business in the middle. On the Google side, you know, what we are seeing is Google um, making every effort to be sure that the, that the action or the transaction occurs there. Now in local, given that there aren't that many transactions, 
but there's still a lot of actions. And when you do an analysis over the last two or three years and you look at this, what you'll see is that Google is working really hard to gather all the data from your website. You still need a website. Gather all the data they can from whichever you know scheduling company you're working or booking company you're working with, wherever data they can find it, wherever reviews they can find it. And they're aggregating all that data on their site so that the user never has to leave their site and the user can contact you or get driving directions to you immediately, right? So that's a huge trend where the shift of the, the last research I did was a case study that showed that 70% of important key performance indicators for a local business were occurring right on Google, right on the, right on the Google page. I have a post coming out next week called Google your new homepage, a tactical guide. Try to get people to think about how can they influence that branded search result at Google in a constructive way to create the social proof and the compelling information in that environment, given that that's where all the action is going to take place. So I see that trend as uh, continuing, accelerating, um, where Google's going to try to get more people to just stay right there and not leave. And it's no reason to abandon your website because Google needs your website as a data source, but it is every reason to realize that on the pre-sale side of things, Google's going to work really hard to capture all the activity. Some of that they're going to monetize. More and more of it they're going to monetize. That's the other big trend that's happening in Facebook as well, right? More and more of these critical performance indicators will be monetized. Um, how much of them over the next 18 months, we don't know. And then the final... so. So more data at Google, more monetization at Google, and then I think uh, more sophistication and leveraging of their knowledge to improve user experience and to provide more feedback. For example, they're now able to ascertain whether a user actually came in the store or not. Well, that's incredibly valuable knowledge of closing the loop, and they're going to do that more and more where they're going to leverage cell phone information and tracking information and aggregate it around pre-sale search information to understand the total customer journey. Um, so I see those three big trends and they'll all converge in local because that's where the growth is. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, and our guest, Mike Blumenthal. Thanks for joining us today. Mike, can you uh, tell the listeners where they can, uh, I know you mentioned Blumenthal's.com, and where else can they find out more about you and so, the services? Uh, yeah, sure, Blumenthal's.com forward slash blog, because I don't need to. Uh, get, get, get five stars.com forward slash blog, local you, and at local you, you can sign up for weekly newsletter or the podcast. And then uh, M. Blumenthal on Twitter and um, Mike Blumenthal on Google+, where I'm still very active. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, listeners, if you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google. I'm sure uh, we can tempt Mike into answering any questions over there if you happen to have any based on the episode. Uh, he is, as he said, very active on Google+, so hopefully we can connect him there. You can also email me via Ross at stepforth.com. That's S-T-E-P-F-O-R-T-H.com. Or reach John via Twitter at John Carcutt. 
Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which are at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on cranberry.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. Sure, you may be able to hear just how crispy the McDonald's crispy, juicy, tender chicken sandwich is, but that's just the beginning. The full crispy, juicy, tender experience comes after you take your first bite. But why stop there? Order ahead on the app and get medium fries and soft drink for free. Now that's a deal that tastes even better than it sounds. Valid 830 to 919, 1011 to 1031, and 1122 to 121221. Valid one time per week. McDonald's app download and registration required.